I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Come home, Jose. All is forgiven. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Monday, the 3rd of April. I'm Jules Breed. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Jim Campbell. Hello, everyone. It is good to be back on the Ramble. Good to see you, Luke and Jim. Hello. Good to see you too. How are you both? Good. Get your oyster card out, Jose. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Come on. Welcome back anytime. <laughs> Come on, mate. The it man happen. who stole the show. You would <laughs> love to see it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Ah. What would he be this point? He was the special one at first. It was the, the something else one the second time. Just the knackered one <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. It's been one of those weekends, hasn't it? Big stories all around. Some great games. Mm. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about them, though, because it's. <laughs> <laughs> big stories with well, the sackings yesterday Graham Potter gone from Chelsea and Brendan Rodgers gone from Leicester we will come on to those because those are the, the two main stories from the weekend really and it's amazing we will talk about Man City beating Liverpool 4-1 but it's basically the last thing because it's just yeah. been such a mad yeah, weekend nuts. what's been your highlight Jim? Uh, my highlight wasn't actually even on this continent it was something that happened in Liga MX in Mexico um, so America were playing Leon, as I'm sure all of you know and um, America score an equaliser um, and Leon's Lucas Romero is angrily, angrily protesting the referee, demanding a VAR, VAR intervention. And the referee, Fernando Hernandez, just need him in the nuts. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I need, saw, need him in the nuts. I saw that. But he did it quite surreptitiously so no one would see. Well, I mean, you think no one would see, but it's quite hard to knee someone in the nuts without them seeing, isn't it? Yeah, because it was, you very it much have to though. connect to the nuts with your knee, which is, is quite the action. But the, the strangest thing about this is that Romero later said it was a misunderstanding. <laughs> it's like, these things happen, yeah. you know, like, let's let's have some leniency. It's like, do, do these things happen? I've, I've, I, mean, I don't watch a lot of Mexican football, maybe this is fairly common. <laughs> it's but, like when Stuart Pearce got headbutted by Basil Bolli in the, in the early 90s. It's like a proper powerful headbutt into his cheekbone, knocked Stuart Pearce to the floor. Stuart Pearce. Quite hard to do, I'd imagine. Yeah, and after the game, he was like, yeah, it's just part and parcel of the game. <laughs> not really, is it? It doesn't happen that often. Um, I've, I've long thought that referees should take the power back. I've told you. Mm. I, I think, you know, I mean, when I, I mean, I'm probably surprisingly not going to talk about West Ham beating Southampton. No. Um, but there was a ridiculous VAR check in that game. And I just thought to myself, 
I've just sat here watching admin on a Sunday afternoon. You mean when they yeah. checked the goal? Yeah. It was three minutes, wasn't it? It was a long yeah, old time. It's, yeah. it's too long. It's, it's um, so boring when they put it in highlights. It would they be cut it out. It would be better if <laughs> they should definitely cut it out. <laughs> it would be better if during that time they filled it in some way. Like the referee has an arm wrestle with the fourth mm. official. Um, or you could get like some washed up boy band doing a performance on the side. Now you're talking. Yeah. Put, put a little cartoon on. Like, when they used to have like two minutes in the schedule, you'd get a very like Tex Avery cartoon. Yeah, really short cartoon. That could work as well. Yeah, it put could. it up on the big screen for everyone to have a, have a bit of fun. No time wasting at the Amex this weekend though. 3-3, what a crazy game. It yeah. wasn't actually my highlight of the weekend, but I wanted to mention it now just because we're not going to get time to mention it. It was an unbelievable match. Um, my highlight of the weekend though was the Papa John's Trophy final. I bet you didn't think I was going to say that. I knew you were there because I sent you quite a lot of um, insulting content on WhatsApp. <laughs> Taking the piss out of you and you ignored it all. I did ignore you. And I, I got a bit working. offended, but I thought you, and I saw your Instagram, you were at the Papa John's. It was great. I mean, for me, I just, I, you still don't lose the magic of going to Wembley. Bolton beat Plymouth 4 0 in front of nearly 80,000 fans. It's amazing. This is the EFL trophy, and it was the biggest supported match across the whole of Europe this weekend. That's phenomenal. Yeah, amazing. It's, it's also quite surprising that um, those. The scoreline was so stark because mm. those two teams are good. Yeah. Plymouth are going to get um, almost certainly going to get promoted automatically this season. Um, Bolton have had a really good season as well, though they've been a bit wobbly recently. So I wouldn't have expected such a kind of one side of the fair. I didn't expect that at all. No, but then I guess um, it was a big Wembley occasion full of fans. It does tend to be how the teams manage the, the expectation and the occasion as well. So maybe that's why. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, they. Just Bolton just completely dominated. They scored so early on. They made it 2-0 in the first 10 minutes and then they scored an early second half goal. The game was pretty much done. But my favourite goal of the day, which wasn't necessarily the best goal, was um, Gethin Jones um, for Bolton. He scored the fourth goal and he got quite emotional with his celebration because his mum passed away last year. Right. And he blew a kiss up to the, um, to the sky for her. And I interviewed him post-match and he was... Just really emotional and it's really lovely. It's his first time ever playing at Wembley and Great. he got that special moment wow. as Good well. So, um, yeah, that was my highlight. What about Great you, Great stuff. Um, I'm going to a slightly different flavour after that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm bringing you crashing back down to earth because I, I was in Brighton at the weekend. <laughs> Were you? Not for the game, but... Um, just you should have gone for, to the game. I should have gone to the game. What You're fucking that? damn right I should have. Um, but um, I found myself, you know, for a story, cut a long story short, I found myself watching the Chelsea Villa game in a pub in Brighton. And there was no real fans of either side in there because, I mean, what, why would they? Apart from one Chelsea fan. Uh, and I'm going to give you a chance, both you two in the studio and everyone listening at home, to paint a picture in your mind about what that Chelsea fan looked like. Have you done that? Yeah. Uh -huh. You're spot on. Right? <laughs> Absolutely spot on. And uh, <laughs> when Miller scored the first goal, he was annoyed in a way that was like, oh, that's a bit annoying, but we'll be fine because yeah. we're Chelsea, even though Chelsea haven't been very good this season, which we're going to come on to. Uh, and he was kind of getting a little bit irate shuffling around this seat. When the um, when McGinn scored that goal, good, great goal, by the way, when McGinn scored the second goal, um, downed about half of his lager in one, <laughs> banged it on the chair, that's what on the table, kicked his chair back, jacket on, Walk straight out. <laughs> Didn't even say anything. Straight out. See you later. That's Put on me a done. show, though. Yeah, that's me done. See you later. And and and, and that's not the first time we've seen Chelsea fans. A Chelsea fan being a dickhead in the pub. Do you remember we were watching the game in the pub once? And Chelsea, it's like a Champions League group game or something. And Chelsea won pretty easily. And the guy was talking to the screen like he was talking to the players. And when they finally won, he was like, "Well done, fellas. Job well done. Yes, <laughs> great yes. job. Fantastic." Like, yeah. and, then just, and just walked As if out. He's told them what to do. I'd like. You to want think, to go out there and you want to win. Yeah, he was the guy who was screaming at Carlo Ancelotti when they weren't winning at halftime, calling him a tactical pygmy. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking tactical pygmy. Oh, you tactical pygmy. Um, and I think it might. I mean, there's a chance it could have been the same man. Uh, it'd be amazing okay. if it was. Um, but that's definitely my highlight, um, which brings you nicely onto. Yeah, Chelsea, Neil, I, I feel like you're, you're painting a picture of all Chelsea fans here. They can't all be knobs. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Just trying to think of one I've met that isn't. <laughs> Chelsea fans, they're listening. Me and Jim did try really hard to think of one then. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Mm, you yeah. give it long enough. Um, yeah, I, I Actually, I met a nice Chelsea fan once. And he just, too late. He, it's too late. No, he, he just seemed exhausted. <laughs> it, just, it just seemed like a huge burden to carry. You've left too long a pause. Yeah. Do you love me too? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luke, I wonder were you in the pub long enough um, to hang around until 
Graham Potter's sacking. Oh, no, because it was the next day, wasn't it? Was it? The you weren't day. still in the pub on Sunday. We don't were know you? that. Well, you no, might have gone it was back. the weekend. <laughs> no comment. Uh, I was going to say, I wondered what the, the Brighton fans' reaction would have been in that pub had they heard the news yeah. at the time. Um, yeah. Because this is. The big story from the weekend, obviously, Brendan Rodgers sat by Leicester earlier on on Sunday and then later on in, in the day, Graham Potter sacked by Chelsea less than seven months in charge. He'd won just three games in his last 11 matches in all competitions and only seven wins in his 22 Premier League games in charge. Simply not good enough, according to Chelsea. No, well, I mean, it wasn't good enough, was it? But I think that... The situation is like people wondered is this job too big for Potter that, when he came in that was the concern wasn't it but the circumstances have essentially been too ridiculous If it, could anyone succeed in, in this environment where um, Todd Bowley is working everything out as he goes along just throw in players at a situation it's like they're going oh this guy's really good at like mm. getting F1 to thrive so let's give him a submarine and a, and a helicopter and a rally car <laughs> just you, use them use them look we've got some more stuff we've got some more stuff yeah. it's just like the the, the parameters under which he had to work are so weird and unusual that I suppose wrestling into that wrestling that into any sort of coherence has clearly been impossible I mean he didn't do a good job even in those circumstances clearly but I mean I mean it was never going to go any way other than this and you wonder about the replacement as well is Todd Bowley actually going to do his kind of due diligence on whoever comes in you know Julian Nagelsmann is someone who who is going to want a professional setup who is going to want everyone pulling in the same direction and is going to want some coherence and obviously I mentioned him as he's he's the front runner in the rumors at the moment um but is that that appealing to anyone right now I'm sure the money's appealing and that's, a big payoff thing, if it doesn't work out that's but, the thing I, th- I think um you know for all the stick that Abramovich got for the way he ran the club and you know they were obviously successful and who knows if they would have been more successful if he was less trigger happy with his managers I don't think he ever fired one manager two managers in one season which is kind of mm. interesting when you think about what, what people were trying to predict the Todd Bowley rate, that reign was going to be like. Um, and there are managers who are, to be frank, who are in, at the same time who are bigger than Potter is in terms of reputation and achievements that have found it tough at the at the circus that Chelsea can be. I mean, Louis, Big Phil Scolari is one that springs to my mind. And that was a long time ago now, but he didn't last um, very, very long either. So... I I feel like Jim's right. I think the situation there was so such a maelstrom, such a kind of you know a, a storm of of activity that I think it would be very very difficult for any manager, despite one that's never really managed at a truly big club, um, to to achieve there. I, yeah. I, I don't think it's any. Uh, but by the way, I, I don't think it's a huge blow to Potter's reputation. Though. No, I, despite the poor run of results that I've that I've just run through there. I was actually surprised by this sacking personally because I felt like all along since he was appointed back in September, the narrative from the club has always been this is a long-term project. Yeah. And they stuck with him when they went on a poor run earlier on in the season. Then they put together a few results, didn't they? And then it went bad again. And they still stuck with him. And I kind of just felt that they were going to stick with him and yeah. that everyone was saying he needs time, he needs time, he's that sort of manager that needs time and I've seen that firsthand at Brighton. He needed time to do what he did with our team when he was at, when he was the Brighton manager and I just expected that, I didn't expect him to go this season. Um, perhaps if these results carried on into next season, maybe I thought that they'd make a change then. So to me, the timing of this, I feel like Todd Bowley already knows who the replacement is and I feel like he's done this now because he wants to hijack the Nagelsmann potential deal from Spurs. That's possible. I think I think if he if he got an opportunity to 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 get Nagelsmann and he thought that he had to do it quickly and he couldn't hang around, maybe that informs the decision. Ironically they haven't lost it's the first game they lost for a month or so, Chelsea. Mm. And but when you read what was going on at the club and read what was happening behind the scenes, it I mean it's not it doesn't make for great reading. I mean it doesn't make for great reading when you hear like, you know, some of the players um, didn't really even really know who he was when they were coming in. Can to, that be true? Well, that, well, that's what people are saying. I mean, it's what's being reported by reputable output um, outlets, and and also it's talk of like him having the piss taken out of him behind his back and all that awful stuff that you can imagine happens at football clubs. But the the key point here, I think, is the one Jim opened with, which is the fact that you know it's chaos there. Mm. You know, the, the amount of incomings and outgoings over and over again. It's just very difficult to understand how anyone could succeed in that kind of situation. That's so many players come in. And I wonder even if a you know a, a top manager who's used to dealing with really big names like Ancelotti, who's obviously had some success at Chelsea, could have even dealt with that. Mm. Let alone Graham Potter, who 
who maybe they just thought was never really going to get the purchase on the club that that he needed and was never really ever going to turn it around. And I think if you, I know you say you're surprised by it, Jules, but it's, it's actually quite difficult to envisage him making it better if, you, if you're honest with yourself. And, and I also think it was tough for him as well. Yeah. I, th- I think you look at, um, he, he, he wore every part of stress all over his face. Mm. He looked about 15 years older, um, having taken the job and done seven months of it. It just seemed very, very tough for him. And I wonder, I think it was Miguel Delaney said, perhaps he needed a job in between Brighton and Chelsea to help him make that step. But Or just stay at Brighton and take us further. Bitterness. <laughs> That's not bitter. Bitterness. Worked That's out well bitter. for you. It has worked out well for us. Um, and look, and I've said this. What Brighton got like twenty odd million for it, didn't they? Twenty one, I think. Yeah. For, ev- for every win. Yeah. That um that Potter got at Chelsea, it's cost uh three point one million that we've got seven seven wins in the Premier League. Yeah. He got wow. so yeah three three million per yeah. win. Thank you very much. Um, look, I I've said this before. I really like Graham Potter. Um, he did brilliantly for Brighton. Um. And I like him as a person as well. I've I've been fortunate to interview him as Brighton boss, but also as Chelsea manager as well. And I really wanted to see him do well. And I, yeah. I mean that honestly. And you never like to see um, a nice person lose their job. Um, and that essentially is is what's happened here. Yeah. But when he took over Chelsea, they were sixth in the table. That wasn't seen as good enough yeah. at the time. And now they're 11th. Mm-hmm. So look, the writing was on the wall. I just think that as you've both pointed out, it's such a mess there. I still don't even know if he knows his best team. I mean, playing Reese James in a back three at the weekend, it's just, when, when you see things yeah. like that and you're just a bit like, is he still trying to work out? Well, he, he never he never is? had any consistency in his selections. And, and That's I think, quite common for him though. That's right, quite normal. It is. And I think that works when you are someone who the whole club revolves around where you, you, you build up that trust. A team like Brighton and Ostersons before that. And the, the job he did with Ostersons was remarkable. And you know automatically people are going to buy into that. Mm. This is the success he's continuing to have. We we need to follow him here and everything will be fine. That's not going to happen at Chelsea, no way. And I think if you look at um, Chelsea's in a, in a more kind of general point, I know, I know that under Tuchel, they won the Champions League and they had some success. It, Tuchel aside, the last few appointments, last three or four appointments, I don't know if they've been that great. But then having said that, Chelsea chose turnover managers so often. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, they, they seem to pick up trophies. Like, you know, you can think of Sarri winning the Europa League and think of Di Matteo winning the Champions League and think of Tuchel winning the Champions League. But they, these players, they, there's never any real legacy thing there since since Mourinho, really. And then when you look at Mourinho, he was only there for three years the first time. Mm. And then yeah. two years again, or just under two years, I think, after that. So it's, it's a weird old thing at that club. It's how they tend to do things. And they're really, well, you say that, but the interesting thing is we don't know that if that is going to continue, do we? Because that was definitely the case under Abramovich. But this is actually far more chaotic. I mean, the, yeah. it, I, I think it is going it to continue. It wasn't really, you, you, you think they'll still pick I, I, up trophies here and there and it will be kind of business as usual. I, I, don't, I don't know if they'll pick up trophies here and there because the landscape's changed. But I think the only way I can describe it is for, for those, of, those people listening to this show in the US, this is what... British football fans think of when they think of an American owner. Yeah, this is yeah. what they think is going to happen. And this is what they're frightened of. Mm. And I think there's nothing to suggest that he's going to calm down because I mean, he doesn't show, isn't showing well, that he wants to I mean, he's far. laid the foundations for this chaos to continue by bringing in a lot of players on these eight-year contracts. So, I mean, we all know how new managers work. They want to come in. They want to mould the squad themselves. Sometimes they have to move some players on, bring some new players in. They, I mean, they're in a position where they, they have to sell players now. Mm. Um, and it's, it's it, you know what it reminds me of? This, this idea that the eight-year contracts are a way around amortisation. This is quite an extreme example. Do you remember when North Korea took an outfield <laughs> player to the World Cup and registered him as a goalkeeper, thinking they'd sneak an extra player in and FIFA were like, well, obviously you can't, can't do, do that. that. It's, it's kind of like that. <laughs> you, you, so they don't, they, they don't really understand how it works if you for start, whatever reason, so they've made this ridiculous decision. If you start a point by saying this is quite an extreme example, pause. North, North Korea... Korea. <laughs> That's the equivalent of a bit of arguing someone on the internet and just saying Adolf Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> um, Luke, you've already kind of touched on this point that David was making on Twitter. Um, he asked um, this question. He said, Football Rambles said that Potter had nothing to lose by going to Chelsea when he first went there. Now that it's gone wrong, do you still agree? He said, it feels like he's lost a lot. Pardon the pun. They have lost no, a lot. I, I, I still, no, I still think it's absolutely fine. I, I think, uh, you know, back in when it started first going wrong, we were talking about it on this show and we were saying, what will happen is he'll, he'll, he'll trundle along for a bit. He'll kind of fight a few fires. He'll pick up a result here or there. 
and and he'll and he'll keep his job for a while. Then he'll lose his job because it because of what's hap- what's happening at the club and because of who he is and because of how it's going generally. And he'll walk into another job. Yeah. And I think he'll walk into another job. His favourite for the Leicester job. Yeah, I mean, exactly. he could be manager of Leicester before this it's podcast bad, is over. Yeah. Mid- mid-table, if he walked into another mid-table Premier League job before the end of the week. Leicester um, are mid-table, FYI. Well, they, sh- okay. <laughs> they should be, though. Mid- mid-table is you know, quite a broad description given how the, t- <laughs> the Premier League table is these days. But um, I, it would, no one would be surprised at all if he walked into another job in the Premier League. And I don't think his, I don't think his stock has fallen one bit because I think mm. people go, look at the situation he was in. Mm. You know, he, and before that, he's been an amazing, um, amazing success, really, wherever he's gone. So I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think you can say that he'll be judged for what he's done at Chelsea because don't take my word for it. Look at all the other managers. Mm. You know, Frank Lampard walked into another job in the Premier League after yeah. Chelsea. Did not, he's done nothing to deserve it, really. Um, you know, Thomas Tuchel's not doing too bad. You know, he didn't get affected by it. Uh, Maurizio Sarri went on to manage you know, Conte none of them no manager that you can think of that's managed um, Chelsea in, in recent years has ever suffered as a result of managing there because they know, everyone knows what the club's like I think we know with Potter as well which we already know is that he is a project manager right and he was promised that at Chelsea he's had loads of curveballs continuously thrown at him that's made that really difficult and it hasn't worked out he clearly wasn't a good fit for it um, but that is essentially what he's going to be um, placed as isn't it Clubs that know they need a little bit of a rebuild and are going to have to give them a bit of time. A few people I, are on a bit of a wind-up and um, have been messaging and tweeting saying um, that Deserby is going to be the next Chelsea manager and Potter will come back to Brighton. Yeah, how would you feel about that as a Brighton fan? Um, no, that, that's not going to happen. That's okay, but I'm how saying. would you feel about it if it did happen? Um, I'd be <clears> gutted <throat> if Deserby <throat> left, obviously. Yeah. I would be absolutely gutted because he's been brilliant. FYI, stat of the weekend, you yeah. ready for it? Yeah. Uh, first time since Opta started recording stats that a team in the Premier League had all 10 outfield players take at least two shots. Brighton against Brentford. Wow. Every mm. single outfield player had at least two shots. You, you, it's amazing, even, that right? Even if we don't put them in the running noise, you'll still find a way. <laughs> <laughs> they like drew Marcus the game. Sven. Yeah, they no, drew the I game. Know, I know. Yeah. Best drawer of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. um, let's move on and talk about Leicester's situation then. So they were 1-0 up in their game against Crystal Palace and they ended up losing 2-1, a stoppage time winner in good old Roy Hodgson's first game back at Crystal Palace. Brilliant win for Palace, which uh, didn't actually move them in the table, but it's it's given them a nice little gap from, from the bottom three now. Um, but it did spell uh, uh, mark the end for Brendan Rodgers at Leicester. They'd only won two matches since the return of the World Cup in the Premier League. Did you see this coming? He'd been there for four years. Yeah, I mean, it feels overdue, to be honest doesn't it we were talking earlier in the season about how his, his days might be numbered and you think as well was it Ricardo Pereira comes yeah, on the substitute what comes on scores the, scores the goal you're thinking alright this, yeah. is, this is good for brother Brendan you know, he's, he's made a goal. decision and it, it, he's, he's, his in-game management has been exceptional there and still um, they, they can't they can't hang on to it I know the, like, the goalkeeper scoring an own goal seems Seem, it's so harsh when those mm. are given as own oh, goals. I hate I that. Think. No, that's I hate not that. fair. Because anyway, the beauty of a free kick. Yeah, exactly. A I, I, I think I think that's frustrating. But a last minute winner, as good as it was, and it was a beautiful move. You, you, if you if you're down there fighting for your life, why aren't they switched on? It was it was amazing to see Roy Hodgson in the post match uh, interview calling mm. the uh, last minute winner a wonderful feeling. I love him <laughs> with his glasses. I know oh, glasses so on now. Yeah, sweet, isn't a, a man he? a man who clearly just is not welcome in his own marital home. <laughs> Every time he tries to retire, <laughs> like, his wife yeah. must be like, get out. Oh, come but, on, but, Roy. But on the on the Brendan uh, Rogers side of the ledger, it does it it does feel like we should make a note of the fact that. He's been one of the most successful managers in Leicester's history. Yeah. And I think, you know, just because that outlier season where Ranieri wins the Premier League, the first league title at the top flight they've ever had, because that exists, it feels a bit churlish saying that Rodgers is their best ever manager. Mm. Uh, and obviously Martin O'Neill did quite a lot for them, to say the least, a number of years ago as well. But they finished ninth, fifth, fifth and eighth, won the FA Cup under Community Shield. And they've struggled to back him and the players he wanted because of financial fair play and because of the situation with the ownership. That aside, I think that's all relevant as part of the conversation. I think that should be taken into account when you talk about Rodgers' reign at Leicester. But that aside, they have been really, really poor this season. I mean, they've particularly when you think that he leaves them second bottom in the Premier League. I mean, that's serious in April. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, five or six games in, a bit of a dodgy start, you know, give them a bit of time. We're 28 games into the season um, and their second bottom and a a point adrift of safety. I mean, it's not 
a huge surprise no. given that they now need to really find someone to kick them on to, to, to preserve their Premier League status because whether we like it or not, and I don't particularly like it, but the way modern football is now, you take all that stuff that Rodgers achieved. If he takes them down to the championship, it means nothing. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the gap is so big now, it could be very, very difficult for them to come back up again. So they can't risk that. And a lot of these decisions that we're seeing, the most amount of Premier League managers leaving their position in history is further signifying the fact that it's such a big gap, it's such a big disaster to, to drop out of the, the top flight. Now, of course, there are some other clubs who've got different reasons for making these decisions, like Chelsea and, and, and one or two others, but mo- mostly it's because people are terrified of being relegated. Yeah, the yeah. club's quote was, um, we've made this decision to protect the club's Premier League status. So it feels like they're probably going to bring someone in now, Jim, that will just be there till the end of the season to keep them in the league. Because I mentioned a minute ago that Graham Potter was the the favourite to take over this job. But as you've already pointed out, he's a project manager. He's the yeah. sort that needs time. That This isn't the right job for him, it no. doesn't feel like. So who is that person? Because for the time being, the first team coach, Adam Sadler, not Sandler, the actor, Adam Sadler, <laughs> uh, is going to take charge for the time being. Yeah, it's I, I don't know who's available that's going to come in and do a job like that. I saw Big uh, Sam at Wembley yesterday. Well, it, it feels like this sort of <laughs> thing is... Bloody <laughs> Every season, some, like, this joke happens, doesn't it? But there are going to be people that start to specialise in this, though, now. I reckon Big Sam turned up for the Bolton v Plymouth and the trophy <laughs> final and went... Yeah, well, fancy give it to me for the day. Yeah, I can do it. I'm yeah. managing the Premier League. I'll do it. <laughs> Fuck off, Sam. So I think Leicester's problem is they've conceded 49 goals, right? That's not the most in the Premier League, but it's 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 up there. Um, and they are going to have to get someone who who can come in and just sort that out because Harry Maguire. they do score. Yeah. <laughs> oh, big Harry Maguire player manager to the end of the season. <laughs> I, I heard that, and I thought when I saw that Leicester were linked with Harry Maguire, <laughs> and I thought they've suffered enough this weekend. Come on, give them, give him a little bit of time off. Yeah, you can't go home again. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a sad situation for Brendan. But again, I still think he'll get another job. I mean, well, he's, still, yeah. he's been linked with some big jobs. I was going to ask that question, because the same way a minute ago, we talked about whether Graham Potter's reputation would be tainted after how things ended for him at Chelsea. Would Brendan Rodgers have been better off? And I know it's it's easier to say this in hindsight now, but having left Leicester after they won the FA Cup on a high, would he have perhaps walked into a job in the top six in the Premier League? Now, is that different? He was linked with Arsenal for a wee while, wasn't he? As well, around that only time. a little bit. But yeah. I, I, th- I think, yeah, if you if you go out, if you go out, if you go and say I've finished fifth and fifth and then eighth or whatever and won the FA Cup with Leicester, you can make an argument by saying that is realistically, you know barring the odd kind of aberration like we saw with them winning the league. That is really all I can do with Leicester. I've taken them as far as I can. Mm. Um, And he also would have known a little bit about what was happening behind the scenes at the club with the financial side of it. He could have done that, absolutely. Mm. That was some of the chat on the radio last night. People were saying, does he deserve a bit more? Does he deserve a bit more loyalty because he's shown loyalty to them? But the whole thing that underpins all this is the Premier League status thing, and it always will be as long as football's like this. I mean, if you look into the fact that 13 Premier League departures this season, right? And that is a crazy number. But actually, it's not too much of a stretch to think that it could have been more. Moyes could have gone from West Ham. Steve Cooper was very close from going from Forest. And these, Um, I mean, they might, yeah. Yeah, could still now, yeah. So it's crazy. It's it's insane. 13 managerial departures. It's mad. That's the most there's ever been. Um, Just a a last one on Brendan Rodgers as well. Um, Football Ramble listener Alex got in touch with us on Twitter and shared a tweet from BBC reporter Henry Moran, who uh, tweeted after he heard the news about Brendan Rodgers. And he said, sad to see Brendan Rodgers leave Leicester. He once did an entire five minute interview with me before revealing that my flies were undone. <laughs> the way Henry Moran, who I like, love, by the way, yeah, is really funny, um, has written that. Is it like he did that on purpose mm. to see how long he'd take Brendan to notice? I think all those post-match interviews should be completely um, unedited and done completely live at all times. Yeah, and that's where you get that the big Roy. Um, Let's not take the piss here. That's that's from one of the best Premier League moments. <laughs> We've got to get as many of them as possible. Yeah. I think. Right, we'll take a break. When we come back, plenty more to come. We will talk about Newcastle's win over Manchester United and City beating Liverpool four-one and Arsenal matching that result. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Um, Another corner. Not too worried about these corners. I mean, it might come back to bite me here, but I think Tottenham have got the dominant, dominancy in the air there, you know. So, I'm not sure anyone can get ahead on the first ball for Liverpool, apart from that. Yeah, that's the Tim Sherwood touch. <laughs> it's never good when you're watching those games live and you try and predict something. Yeah, I've done it before with a penalty. Someone said, "Do you reckon he'll score?" And I went, "Yeah," and then they missed. I was like, oh, that's uh, "Also known as the Kevin Keegan." Yeah. The Kevin Keegan. Yeah. Uh, not good. So now I just don't answer. Mm. Anyways, welcome back to the Football Ramble. Jules, Jim and Luke here with you this Monday. Lots to get through, isn't there, Luke? Absolutely right. And now it's time for a bonus edition of Betfair's Popular Bet Builder. Select from the most popular pre-made football bet builders using Betfair's Handy app. And you can add them to your bet slip in just one tap. Every Friday on the previous show, we build our own Ramble Popular Bet Builder for a particular game happening each weekend. But today, seeing as there's a host of midweek Premier League fixtures happening, we thought it was a great chance to try and win some money for charity. So we're looking ahead to Chelsea v Liverpool, which is tomorrow night. Uh, Jules, you're up first. Um, I am going to go for Liverpool to win. I can't see anything changing for Chelsea in this short space Even of time. with big Bruno in charge? Bruno's in charge, Brighton club legend. He's, is that, is that, he moved with, with Graham Potter. Is that, Paul, is that Paul loyalty from Bruno sticking around? Well, I think all of his backroom staff have all stayed. Haven't yeah, they? I yeah. heard that, which is very odd, considering yeah. they all followed him to Chelsea. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah going to be very weird to see Bruno in the Chelsea dugout managing the side for a game. Um, I just think um, Liverpool have to bounce back after what they did against Man City at the weekend. I don't think anything will change for Chelsea, so Liverpool win. It's tough to um, predict anything involving Liverpool at the moment, really. Um, and but, Chelsea, to be fair. Yeah, true. Uh, so that's a Liverpool win from Jules. Jim? Uh, I'm going to go for Mo Salah to score. Uh, he, he got, I think, his 23rd goal of the season. Um, uh, the <laughs> no one even day. notices it, do they? Yeah, I know. The, the yeah. Other day, I this idea was having a terrible season. He's really not. Someone was saying that about... Um, Kevin De Bruyne over the weekend as well. Yeah, he's not having his best season. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's been a bit more quiet and all the rest of it. My goodness me, if that is a quiet season, I'd love it's to know. Quality, he's got he? 13 Premier League assists. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got like 20 assists in all competitions or something. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I expect Mo Salah to, uh, to step up against his old club, of course. Yeah. And yeah, Mo Salah to score for me. Yeah, apparently he cried at Chelsea in the dressing room at one point. He was so upset there. And now look at him. <laughs> um, all right, next up we've got Andy um, for his pick. Hello, Andy here. If you can hear a light hum in the background, that is someone cleaning the pool in Rome. You know what? I think this is going to be a banger. 
because uh, Chelsea have to have some sort of reaction after the weekend when, of course, I correctly predicted on Friday's ramble that they would draw a blank again. Um, Liverpool really got to go for this after what happened on Saturday as well. I'm going for over 2.5 goals. So Andy's expecting a bit of a goal fest. Good stuff. Uh, and my final pick of the uh, four will be both teams to score in the first half. So you think Chelsea are going to score? I think there's a chance that if we see Liverpool playing without the ball against Man City, <laughs> I think there's a lot of teams in the country that could score against them, to be honest. Um, so I think there'll be a couple of goals um, in the first half, um, but I've gone for both teams to score in the first half. So in summary, that's Liverpool to win, Mo Salah to score, over two and a half goals in the game, and both teams to score in the first half. The £5 bet with uh, Betfair on that popular bet builder returns £90.65. And, and if we win... All that money will go to Prostate Cancer UK. We'll be back with another round of Betfair's popular bet builder on the previous show. Uh, exclusive to Betfair Sportsbook. T's and C's apply. 18 plus only. For more information on responsible gambling, head to begambleraware.org. Thank you very much, Luke. Right, let's get back to the weekend's matches now. Uh, we're going to touch on the battle for Champions League places where Newcastle beat Manchester United 2-0 yesterday. Bit of Carabao Cup revenge from Eddie Howe's side. Where, where's Pete and Vish when we need them, eh? Was, was, it, was it revenge though? Because that seemed to be what Sky Sports wanted to go with the whole game. Yeah. yeah and they even asked Callum Wilson about it afterwards. But would Callum Wilson prefer to win a trophy? I think he probably would. Yeah. Uh, well, if you'd ask, yeah, I suppose they would prefer a trophy, but they also want to finish in the Champions League places. That's true. And it's a big win in the Premier League for them, and it's important. And, and they were much better than Maynard. They've gone the third now. Yeah, but mm. I mean, at the same time, I mean, given that you have, you're you're playing for a club that hasn't won a trophy for such a yeah. long time, I just yeah, thought it was yeah, a bit yeah. insulting. Yeah, to be you, like, they don't need to tack these extra narratives no. on it. It's like <laughs> when they plug a TV show at the end and it all seems a bit uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah. not revenge. Well, you've got it? like Graham Sooness asking for his thoughts on The Last of Us finale. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Graham doesn't know what it is. He doesn't care. <laughs> it's not <laughs> his remit. But um, Newcastle were brilliant in this game. They were really good. It was one of those games for me where I felt like I was constantly waiting for Man United to get going and they never quite yeah. did mm. and um, in the first half you were thinking my goodness me I think I, was, I, was, I texted you guys saying that I think Erling Haaland would have had about eight goals in that first yeah. half I didn't Newcastle. reply to that message either did I? <laughs> no you probably didn't no you, <laughs> you, you regularly blank me on the, on, on, on the old WhatsApp but they were much better than United a fantastic uh, performance by them and um, I yeah. think the key difference was that uh, in with the Carabao Cup final game is that Newcastle in that match were without one of their best players in Nick Pope and yeah. Manchester United in this game without their one of their best players, Casemiro. Oh, I mean, Casemiro. Basically, the two big differences. His absence is so profound; it's almost like a presence. Yeah. And yeah, the, Val Veghorst is very much the opposite of that. <laughs> he's like a black hole up front. Like it is. It, I think he's it, been good though, hasn't he? He doesn't score, but he's. he's but, but I don't he links think he, them up together. Right? I don't think he did that very well at all yesterday. It was just I mean, he barely touched the ball really. And In comparison, Alexander Isak, I think is he was fantastic. He was so good. His all-round play again. He didn't score for Newcastle. But I think him being in this team has made such a difference since he's been fit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the um, his his work for the first goal was mm. absolutely exceptional. It looks like the sort of thing where the chances is barely there to be won, and he goes and creates something like that out of it. And obviously, Sam Maximan's cut back for for Willock was brilliant as well. They they just had so much dynamism about them. Newcastle, they were the better team by by some distance. Man United, it, it's it's funny, isn't it? They um. The culture at the club looks like it's still that of a dressing room full of people who um, aren't quite sure how to turn this around. You know, there's a lot of frustration at full time. You can see a lot of players just really annoyed with themselves. Luke Shaw was was quite, you know, upfront and honest in the post-match as he often is about how, you know, they, they feel like Newcastle wanted it more and that that's not acceptable and they need to turn it around. We hear this stuff a lot, a lot from them. And I don't doubt that they all want to do that, but it really does feel like they, they don't know how to do it. And... I think overhauling the culture of a club when it when it gets to that stage does take a long time, doesn't it? Mm. And clearly, there's been a lot of progress under Ten Hag, but there's, there's still a lot that I think it's simply can't be fixed this quickly. Yeah, it's just part of it. I think you know, you go away to Newcastle, who are a team who don't really concede that many goals. They're a good side, uh, and you lose away from home. I mean, it was a poor performance. It was a bad day at the office, as you said, Jules. They've missing a really key midfield player. Um, Overall, though, I mean, they've only lost. It's only the second game they've lost since like January. I mean, it's not, they're not yeah. that bad. But the problem is that they haven't scored in three games, have they? They've got, you know, Marcus Rashford was in scintillating form and he, he looked particularly absent yesterday. Yeah, but I that's think. only in the Premier League. I mean, they, they, they scored three goals against Fulham in the FA Cup. Yeah, fair. They, they, fair. Beat, um, they beat Betis twice in the Europa League. So, I mean, I, I just think, you know, you go away to a good team, it's a pumping atmosphere. We know what Newcastle United are like these days. The fans are crazy for it. They're having a great old time. It's a tough assignment. And if you don't start well, 
um, as I said at the start of all this, you know, it felt to me like May United were going to start to get going, and they never quite did, and they couldn't really get hold of it. And and Newcastle will do that to teams. That's just how it is, I think. Well, how they could have done with Wayne Rooney yesterday on the pitch, because obviously, well, it depends what age Wayne Rooney. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, didn't score. Um, and uh, there was this uh, fun story last week. Eddie Hearn revealed that Rooney regularly texts him, asking asking him to set him up with fights. <laughs> I read this full story and I was like, is this actually real? Read the quote. It's true. Um, Eddie Hearn said, when Wayne has a drink, he'll message me and he'll start going, I'll fight him and I'll fight him. (laughs) Phil Bardsley knocked Wayne Rooney out that time, didn't he? Now, Phil Bardsley's clearly hard, but he's not a professional boxer. Wayne Rooney's harder now, though. Have you seen him? Yeah, I mean, he is sort of, he just looks looks like a whaler to me. Yeah, he does. Well, that's, that's hard. It's a hard profession being a whaler. It is, but you're just knackered and stiff and cold and in the sea all the time. It's not the same as being a boxer. No, but if someone said to you, you're going to have to fight someone at random, and, and, and you said, and someone said, okay, and their job is they're a whaler, you'd be gutted. <laughs> you'd be gutted about that. You'd be, that they're going to be hard. He, Eddie Hearn says in this story that he genuinely thinks he'd sell out Old Trafford if um, he gave Wayne Rooney and Jake Paul a fight. I agree with him. I totally agree with that. Would you um, watch that? Oh my god! Of course. Oh yeah, I watch any boxing fight, really. But but um, we're living in a golden era of um, of just anyone who's got a profile wanting to box, yeah, and and for some reason getting a license to do so. Um, I, I think Wayne Rooney would be in that. I'd back Wayne Rooney to beat anyone in the fight. Who would you, you like to him? see him fight? Who would you like? I'd to love see to him? see him fight Jake Paul. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> Jake Paul got beat last time. That was great to watch. I'd like to see it happen again. What footballer would you like to see him fight? I'd quite like to see what Zlatan Ibrahimovic has got. Oh, he's still yeah. playing. Yeah, I know he is, but you. <laughs> You know, we, we know he's got his honorary black belt and stuff, and you know he's but, and I'm, and he's I'm, clearly very hard as well. And I'd I'm like a, to see that put to the test. Someone like Jamie Carragher will be a great match for him. Carragher uh, boxes every single morning. I was going to say after the beef that the wives had, what about Jamie Vardy and Rooney in the ring? Although they wouldn't match up in the weight divisions, would they? No, um, <laughs> Vardy's kind of still playing. <laughs> he's he's wiry as well. Yeah. The thing with Vardy Different is ways. like you know he's You're strong. Right. You, d- yeah. you don't know where the strength is coming from. He's all no. sinew and just like, you know, <laughs> skinniness. But there's I'll tell you now, there's strength in there somewhere. Without exception, I back Wayne Rooney to beat anyone in the fight. Any, anyone. 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 Tell anyone. me somebody would beat in a fight. Anthony Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see him on Saturday night? <laughs> I'm backing Wayne. I'm backing five foot ten Wayne Rooney. <laughs> Oh, Big goodness time. Goodness me. Um, right, let's stick with um, United, but this time with the backroom staff. Uh, this, uh, this is a brilliant story. Kevin Phillips revealed that the best advice he ever received came from Man United assistant Steve McLaren whilst they were both in the shower. Uh, Phillips, who's currently managing non-league football, um, said, we were bizarrely showering and he turned to me and said, Kev, as much as sometimes you don't want to, you must love your players. You may think one's an arsehole, but you've got to show him love too. This sounds like it was completely unprompted. And as it well, also sounds, they weren't having any sort of discussion at all. And it also thinks it also sounds like McLaren secretly thinks Phillips is an arsehole. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I took Some, from it, Luke. Sometimes you, you think they're an arsehole, but you still got to chat with them in the shower, and that's just what <laughs> I'm doing right now. Oh. I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna knock off the greatest ever naked in the shower story, the Pulis and James Beatty story, where Pulis stuck the nut on him. But it's <laughs> you know, it's a, it, I think it's, it's it's the latest in an emerging genre of football story, isn't it? Naked men in the shower have Frank and you know. Frank, Frank chats about life. And if I find myself in the shower having a good old think and um, I look up and Steve McLaren's there, <laughs> I'll be very, very upset. But you're um, not going to forget what he says. <laughs> probably wouldn't yeah. It's actually probably quite a good way to give advice. I wouldn't forget any of it for the rest of my life. <laughs> Let's as go long back. as Wayne Rooney doesn't turn up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the first game of the weekend. Um, we're only just getting to it now, but Man City beating Liverpool 4-1. Uh, I thought it was it was a brilliant match. I uh, thought Man City were excellent. Uh, Jack Grealish was particularly good. Um, he got man of the match. Um, do you reckon he took our Chinese takeaway advice for his post-match meal? I hope so. We know he went down there for sure. Well, he does it every time, doesn't he? Um, Vish got a lot of stick online for this. You see that? So Vish got a lot of heat online for his pronunciation of the word bruschetta. He's <laughs> yes, a, a bruschetta, which apparently it's pronounced bruschetta. That right. And there's quite a few listeners um, giving him stick for it. I don't know if he doubled down or whether he kind of backed <laughs> down. I'm not sure, but I think, you know, we'd love to know Vish's opinion on that. So next time he's on, we'll have to get him to re-pronounce it properly. Um, but Jack also said that he was, Jack recently was um, in the toilet all morning. Yeah, he hadn't been feeling well. That's the Pete Donaldson approach. Pete Donaldson's approach is buy m- way more Chinese food than you can ever eat. <laughs> 
leave it in the fridge for ages and then eat it for breakfast and then complain that you're struggling at work because you've got a really sore, upset stomach. Yeah. <laughs> and he must have done that 50 times I've known him. I can't believe professional athlete Jack Grealish is also doing that. I can. If any professional athlete <laughs> yeah, is doing true. it, of course. He was unplayable though, wasn't He's he? So Absolutely superb. He's like probably in the best form of his career mm. at this point ever. Just he, he really, really looks like he's settled in there now. And he said that himself, didn't he? He said that he feels like he's it took him a while to get up to speed, which I think is kind of understandable. Mm. And now he's absolutely purring away. He it also was... says that he doesn't think anything has changed about his game, which just means Guardiola's tricked him into doing it, <laughs> doing what he wants without. I think it was difficult to trick him. Wasn't it? Quite, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It was the, the 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 key moment in the game, wasn't it, where he just sprinted back and put that tackle in to stop Salah getting yeah. in on goal. And then, what was it, two minutes later, he's then crossing the ball into the box for, for City to score. I mean, it was it was a brilliant moment. It kind of summed up how all over the pitch he was in the game. It's the best I've seen him play for Man City. He was amazing. And even Liverpool opened the score and it was against the one I played. Really. Yeah. They yeah. didn't really do an awful lot. Yeah, City could have already been 3-0 up at that point, couldn't they? And, and it's kind of, it's really interesting to, to, to think about how Liverpool occasionally perform. Like the, mm. the lack of consistency is just baffling. You know, talk about how you know they they go and beat Man United the way they beat them, and you know, fine. And, and going away to Man City is not easy, and you know, it's not, it's never really a headline in and of itself if Man City beat anyone four one because of the team, what they're capable of. But they just seemed so obviously off the pace, like so obviously weak in certain areas, and not really properly applying themselves. Didn't look on their toes either. Um, and even Klopp said the same thing. Klopp said, you know, it could have been a lot worse. It's probably, he only picked out a couple of players that he said were all right. And the he rest said of them... four-ish, didn't he? Four-ish yeah. players were okay. He said a really interesting thing, which is that City could do what they wanted because the spaces were too big. We were lucky yeah. they didn't score more than t- more than four. And spaces is right. Yeah. So many players, I think it was Gund- Gundogan's goal, like four players swarming towards the ball, like, like it, almost like in a kid's match. Just yeah. leaving that space. And that is so out of character for Liverpool. I think Klopp himself has to take some responsibility for that because quite often we've heard him say this season, oh, I just can't explain why it's like this. And maybe that's him expressing frustration that, that the players aren't listening or they're not, they're not taking in the instruction. But mm. there is clearly some sort of disconnect somewhere because, as you say, I mean, this is a team that's won 7-0 and 9-0 this season. Mm-hmm. And that that that's looks weird, impossible based on that game. Do, do you think Grealish looked... And I'm, I'm not going to have a dig at him because everyone else does just for the sake of it, but I'm genuinely interested in the answer. Do you guys think Grealish looked so good because he was up against a kind of out-of-sorts Harvey Elliott and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Trent couldn't handle him, could nah. he? It was, it was an embarrassing was matchup, chaos. wasn't it? It was chaos. I, I think you've got to give Grealish the credit there for imposing do, himself yeah. on, on players that he was just better than, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, possibly. I'm just asking the question. I mean, what seems to happen is Alexander-Arnold does get a lot of stick for his defensive ability, but at the same time, like for the level he's playing at, it does happen so often where it's so obvious, like it sticks up like a sore thumb, like he's miles out of position or he's he's... You know, making really basic errors and when you've got someone like Garuda from that kind of form it's, it's just a perfect storm really this is a ridiculous thing for me to say but having watched the North pa- Korea <laughs> <laughs> the Papa John's trophy final yesterday Connor Bradley is on loan from Liverpool he's only 19 years old um, and he was for me I, he didn't get player of the match but for, for me he was um, he played on the right for Bolton yesterday and he was unbelievable and I couldn't help but think my God, like he'd he'd get into the Liverpool team right mm. now. I think there's a big change in the in in the in the uh, standard though, Jules. Oh really. no, I know that's why <laughs> that's why I said it's ridiculous. I'm not saying that he should, but I couldn't help but sit there and think, like, my goodness. Oh, and by the way, on the subject of Manchester City in the title race, Arsenal kept their lead at the top of the table to eight points over City with their four-one win over Leeds. Um, but when asked if the Arsenal players had watched Man City play earlier on in the day, Ben White simply said. I don't watch football. We've heard this before from me. It's, yeah, it's his, like football, it's his catchphrase, isn't it? But can it's that be the true? Hits. I don't know. Don't really he, must, know. he must watch it for research and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he'll purposes. do the video stuff, but apparently he just doesn't really watch games. Right. He's never really watched games. He yeah. says he finds it boring and he'd rather go out and play it instead. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever for works for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's end with a, a nice fun story, shall we? Um, a football reporter at the weekend in Brazil got hit by a fan's dentures during goal <laughs> celebrations uh, this weekend. Uh, when asked to describe the incident, the reporter said, fans were celebrating the opening goal when I felt an object hit my arm. I went to have a look thinking it was a piece of stone or something, but it was actual dentures. It raises a lot of questions, Yuck. this, doesn't it? What? Because it's horrible. surely it's been thrown. I don't. Yeah. Th- I think it must be very difficult for dentures to fly out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> 
even if you are a cartoon, that's going to be a rare thing. <laughs> You've got to secure them with um, like glue and stuff, haven't you? Like, yeah, you fix presumably. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Imagine being that excited. Yeah, what sort of head motion do you have to make <laughs> to throw your dentures out of your mouth He's, at someone? They've definitely taken them out and thrown them on purpose, which is remarkable. Imagine being that buzzing about a goal. Would, would you, if you had dentures, Jim, mm. when Arsenal win the league, because I think they will, would you take them out and throw them onto the pitch? <laughs> so this isn't a question like, would you throw your dentures onto the pitch f- t- for Arsenal to win the league? Yeah. Just to add some sort of wild like, celebration. No, it's you, not like a would you rather thing. Would you knock out all your current team, <laughs> put dentures in, and on the on the final game of the season, take the dentures out, throw them on the pitch, and then return after the win the, the Champions League? Subscribe to Patreon and find <laughs> out. <laughs> After that amazing Invisalign treatment, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, well, what's, no. ironic, I, what's particularly interesting about that game is that Luis Suarez was playing in it. Yes. And he, and he's, he's, if, any, if he's got he's anything the about him at all, he should, have, he should have put him in and bit someone with him. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> so weird. Oh, love it. The world of football, eh? Um, right, that's all we got time for, but there's loads more Ramble content to come because, uh, Luke, you and Marcus are back tomorrow with Ramble Reacts. You're going to be bringing us all the chat from Everton against oh, Spurs. I cannot wait for that. That is going to be an absolute shit show. <laughs> Just, I, I can't wait to talk. I haven't, I haven't talked about Spurs or Conte or anything recently, so it'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, also, we've got a second episode out for you in the afternoon tomorrow as well, you lucky sods. It's the Football Ramble's Guide to Liverpool Four, Newcastle 3. It's that legendary game in the title race in 96. Widely considered to be the greatest Premier League game ever. And that is going to be with you, Jim. You're going to be there with uh, Marcus, Pete and Vish for that one. Um, so have fun with that, boys. Um, thanks for your company today. Always yeah, thank good you. Good to see you both. Um, see you. Thanks for listening to the Football Ramble, part of the Acast Creator Network. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram and YouTube at Football Ramble. And don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. And as Jim said, why not sign up to our Patreon as well? You might find out about his... Jim's, Jim's well, I'm going to smash my decision. teeth out. Too. 2023 dental project. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon, guys. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.